Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcast person, and I am joined as ever and in person for the first time in a while, except for last time when we did the live one. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sam Ashurst, and uh, I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm a podcast hero sent uh, to discuss one of my favourite films ever on one of my favourite discs. The, from the future or from the ever. past? Uh, sent Just from... from uh, up the road. <laughs> <laughs> sent from Lambeth. Yeah, it's Deadbeat at Dawn, which is an amazing disc. Dan, what is Deadbeat at Dawn about? Uh, nunchucks? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, Deadbeat at Dawn is on its surface. Uh, it's a sort of revenge movie with a bit of gang war in it um but kind of actually and i don't know if this is even deliberate but it actually touches on sort of like shying away from responsibilities and how this pushes pain into your life in the future yeah um like all the stuff with his dad yeah is is all like actually quite like grim and sincere really and it, it, yeah it, it, it touches on some bigger topics than I think Jim was. I don't think Jim was old enough to deal with them at the time, but he okay. but he brought but he up some, but he brought up some very interesting com- uh, like points. Well, I don't even know if he tried consciously. I think he, what he was doing. I don't think that matters. Was he was no no. I'm, I'm not saying it does. What mm. I'm saying is I think that it's one of those like moments when like formative experiences that a, an artist has yet to like face and realize in their in their real life sort of creep through the gaps into their art. And so you get these interesting like fissures of personal experience through through the thing that they were planning to make, which in this instance is just an exploitation romp. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, albeit a grim and gritty one. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's got some interesting stuff going on in it because of that. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't I I I would quibble with the word accidental because I kind of believe that all this stuff is kind of bubbling under the subconscious it's part of the artist you but know? that's what the, that's what makes it accidental uh, well, rather than yeah, conscious but but just uh, I, I guess the reason i'm quibbling with the word accidental and i'm not i'm quibbling with it i'm not correcting you like you're right but i don't think it matters i think that's kind of so much of art is accidental in a way um i don't know and and, and this disc is a portrait of an artist. If ever there was an Arrow release that completely comprehensively gives you the personality and the career of an artist, it's this one. From start to, I won't say finish, because he still wants to do stuff and and all the rest of it, but as a kind of capsule of a, a, a psychotronic artist. I love this disc so much. I think it's yeah. I think it's one that's less likely to be in people's collections already. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right, and it's it's interesting because it's one that when I first came across this, and I think the very first version of this I got was like a sort of a bootleg VHS yep, from same. like Watford. Yeah. Back in the late nineties, was, you know, I was absolutely blown away by it. Yeah. Uh, and to be brutally honest, revisiting it for the first time in in at least a decade, maybe longer, it I was less into it now. But the things that I maybe missed the first time and thought were interesting but maybe didn't focus on in subsequent viewings, like the this sort of window into misanthropy, this mm-hmm. this sort of like these seams of darkness mm-hmm. in it, like beyond the kind of the poster paint black darkness yeah, yeah. of, you know, 
cracking someone's head open with some nunchucks. Yeah. Like the the actual like the sort of existential darkness that that runs through it. That stuff really got me. Yeah. But but a lot of the other stuff left me a little colder now. I I I you know I I hear you to a certain extent. For me, I found this revisit actually very electrifying and it kind of it really reminded me of why I loved it in the first place. Um like I genuinely think it's a masterpiece. I think he's a hero. I really do. Like you know, I, I, for this film, he is a hero. Like I, I, you know, if anyone out there wants to say a bad word about this film, I will meet you in the cemetery and we'll talk about it. <laughs> if you call the cops, you're a pussy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like um, Sam Raimi called this film the first punk action movie, and. Um, yeah, I think it's as much in... Has Bevo got of, that tattooed all over his body? Cause I mean, I Given would, how I inspired he was by Evil Mr. Dead. Ray, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but, but yeah, like... And that's the thing. He was inspired by Raimi. He made this film. He got that quote. Like, that yeah. is... I mean, that's great. Incredible. And, and yeah, I, I think that quote, you know, first punk action movie, it's as much in the energy and in the raw kind of power of it. Like, you know... In a way, I, I don't want this to feel like a criticism because I don't mean it as a criticism, but in a way, no one's playing their instruments correctly. But the yeah. noise that's being made <laughs> is overpowering. So you're saying it's the first jazz action movie? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Like I think at the time, one of the things that appealed to me so much about it when I watched it um, earlier in life was that it had this very oh fuck I can do this exactly. kind of feeling yeah, yeah, yeah. to it um, in the same way as like Savini's books on I did this in my parents oven yeah, yeah. or like hearing Peter Jackson talking about literally making the fucking makeups for yeah. bad taste in his parents oven like those you know that makes the world of film seem accessible and yes. that's really exciting yes and maybe it's because, you know, I've watched however many hundreds of hours more films since then and I've become a little more, like, jaded and... Yeah, like and my... you work in the industry. Yeah, yeah, but even then, like, I'm still very impressed when someone just fucking gets off their ass and goes out and makes a, makes a movie. Like, yeah, this yeah. is, of the homemade cinema, which is, you know, the, the one below indie. Yeah. Like, of homemade cinema, this is, you know, this is a, a, a kind of a pillar. Of it. Exactly, and, and so I think it's that's what electrifies me. But about we've been it. on. So what I'm about to say, we've been on the other side of it on this conversation. Mm. I think it's an important film, but I don't necessarily think important is good. Okay. Like important is like, and the thing is, I do. I for all of that, I would say if people haven't seen it, I think it's worth giving it a go. Yeah, for a start, this is straight to the the top or near the top of my how the living fuck did they get this to look so good yes. like titles whenever we talk about stuff you know occasionally we 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 go on about the 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 remaster or whatever yeah and you know by now people who buy our own know what they're fucking getting they do an amazing job of cleaning these films up and they get you know but both you and i will have seen an absolute oh, garbage dog, dog version shit. of this yeah i mean i've still got the uh, austrian DVD special edition and mm. I will not be getting rid of it because it has a different audio commentary nice. which is just Jim on his own nice. <laughs> so that's chaos <laughs> in a different way so you know and, and it's got some short film stuff on it that's not on the Arrow one as well oh, cool. so I think it's definitely worth you know if you've got that this doesn't replace it 
But if you haven't got that, this is an amazing set. Yeah, this I, is the one. I mean, this it, is the one. It is completely the one. And if there's anyone out there listening to this, and I think because you know Dan has worked on so many super impressive movies, and you know I've done my own DIY stuff, so I think we do have listeners out there who are interested in getting into the industry and in making their own films. Yeah. And one thing you know, I really want this podcast to do and I've wanted this for a long time, is to inspire people to get out there and make stuff. Because I want, I want to watch the films that the people who listen to this podcast make. And this disc is it's so inspirational to those people. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah, you yeah. kind of find out exactly how he did it. You know, the documentary is fantastic. You know, there's stuff on the, the, the commentary and, and as well the short film, so you can sort of track the progress there. And like punk... This will inspire you to pick up not necessarily your own bass guitar, but your camera, whatever camera you have access to, and go out and make stuff and learn and fail yeah, and succeed. Absolutely. And you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's clearly a passion project from uh, Van Beber, and this disc is clearly a passion project from Arrow. They didn't have to go to this not even close extent I, but the, so the the deadbeat forever documentary which yeah. is so good oh, it's um, beautiful yeah yeah uh, has obviously been being made for a while so i assume that that kind of fell into arrow's laps yeah. a little yeah yeah um, and then it's got the onset making of yeah from before they actually made the movie from yeah. the first time they tried to start it yeah. which is on the austrian disc right, okay. i've seen that before um, that's really it's fun. It's got four. That is really fun. Uh, it's got some outtakes. Yeah, whatever. It's got four. Uh, it's got four of his short films. Yeah, I think I rem- I remember, uh, tr- like my sweet Satan being like a. Can you like? Can you believe like a, a lost film? Yeah, yeah. Back when I first managed to get my hands on Deadbeat. Yeah. So again, like it's not as crisp and, and mint as, as Deadbeat, but it's still looking pretty fucking good. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. Far better than it has any right to look. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I'm and not... everything, man, like this, this, like, you know, uh, this, for me, this film is outsider art and it's been given a treatment by Arrow that is like the Criterion Collection, like the slipcase, like the beautiful texture on the slipcase. Sci-fi ink, where some bits are shiny. Exactly. It just makes me so happy, this disc. It really does. Should we get into some, some of the kind of techniques and... Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like... I mean, obviously for you, as a special effects artist... Uh, I mean, no, Jim, look, the thing is, I... Jim did it all himself. I love... And I think it's impressive for yeah, someone who's no, doing yeah, all no, of no, these I'm different not, things. I'm not, I'm not in any way going to slam it for that kind of stuff. The, okay, I think the thing is, you... Like, as a, a viewer, not you or I, but anyone watching one of these films, you're either willing to watch a film that is quite badly made but it's very impressive considering what they had or you're not. And if you're like, no, I need my films to be like at at the very least made by people who have a fucking clue what they're doing rather than someone who dropped out of film school to spend their grant on finishing this weird thing. Um, Like if you're someone who watches your movies on Netflix who needs a poster with a photo on it because you get confused and think it's an animated movie. <laughs> how many of our of audience do you cunts? think? Do you think <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how many, how, how many none, times have literally we used none. The, cunt, the, cunt? the beautiful arrowheads. <laughs> Three now. <laughs> none I, of them. Because I stuttered. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, good. Sorry, Look. everybody. Um, no, what I'm saying is, I, I think that there's a there's a middle ground between those two extremes. Yes. And, uh, and I think that some people have, and again, this sounds like it's a judgment call, and it's not, but I can't think of a better way of saying it, and I'm not going to bother trying. Um, some people have higher standards, and they're like, well, but I don't want to see a film where they're working out how to do it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the difference between someone who goes to see Stuart Lee testing out new material and us. someone who goes to see us yeah. and someone who goes, uh, will only go and see like a tour. Yeah, no, okay, I hear that. Because the yeah, people yeah. you're talking about, they're yeah, the Michael yeah. McIntyre lot. Like, yes, those are the yes, Netflix yes. on I Need a Poster yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, no, you're right. You are right. But, you know, our beautiful arrowheads, I think, you know. Like, yeah, so assuming that anyone who makes it five minutes into this film is happy to sit through a film of this type yeah 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 then we can talk about it within those yeah within those uh but i even i think like there's so much i don't know like, like i say i i do it does feel like outsider art to me like the lighting you know the kind of fassbinder-esque lighting the the way that and you know i, I understand this almost certainly wasn't intentional but the blood looks like paint when it hits the wall and I, mean, I, I, I it's, it's genuinely love that it's intentional it's more that it was paint <laughs> <laughs> but I love but, but here's what was intentional um, I don't know if the uh, symbolism was intentional but I fucking love that shot where the camera's been placed just behind the garbage can yeah. and they're throwing the beer cans inside and it's like this is literal trash cinema yeah. <laughs> I love it um, so yeah yeah there's uh, there's clips of a short film of his that isn't on the disc called White Trash uh, yes. in the documentary, yeah, yeah. which I've never seen. Yeah, same. And I definitely like to see. Yeah. But then, but then, do I want to see it? Because I feel like I'm a glutton for punishment. I watched all four of the shorts on this, and one of them I'd never seen. The most recent one, Thingy Gator. Yeah, Green, yeah. Green Gator. Is yeah, it yeah, called? yeah, yeah. Um, which I did not like. And and the others, I was like, eh, okay, fine, whatever. Like, I still have a place in my heart for Dead Beat at Dawn. Yeah. But it's got a lot of like, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of like caveats to that place. Like um, it's 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 I make I make excuses for it to keep it in my heart, and obviously I make excuses because I keep two copies of it in my collection. Exactly. Well, I, I make no excuses. Like I think this is a, a beautiful masterwork. It should have been Van Beber's Mean Streets or Easy Rider, and if he'd have released it in the seventies. You know, he'd probably be up there with the likes of Cassavetes. And his Manson family movie would have been much easier to make. You are <laughs> entirely incorrect. <laughs> this o film has characters wrong. named Bone Crusher and Asphalt. Yeah. Also bone, in bone, White Trash. Yeah, Asphalt's also in White Trash. Um, bone Crusher's great. <laughs> fucking amazing and that's where my Cassavetes comparison comes in it's this weird mad naturalistic performance that you know only a director who's also acting can get like I could I could never act but the fact that you know he has that pure passion to act direct do all those fucking stunts as well by the way yeah like Jackie Chan you know no jackass <laughs> 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 Jack Assy chat <laughs> nailed it put that on the fucking poster um, but yeah no I love that anecdote about him being like attached to the car and oh my god yeah like, so he literally could have died for this fucking film Sam is referring to uh, an anecdote again in the documentary uh, Debbie Forever which is so good about a, a stunt in the film that nearly killed Van Beber or at the very least nearly gave him I mean it should have killed him yeah I mean, that's a change of tune. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah. So anyway, if you're if you're into homemade cinema and like, uh, so I watched recently, and this isn't one of my recommendations. Oh, fuck, I want to say Battle for the Planets, but that may not be the right title. Um, I think Vinegar Syndrome put it out a little while ago. They did a two disc, and there's is the this sequel. the thing with the acorns in the? No, okay, no. No, it's it's like a guy escapes from prison, gets in a ship, steals the ship. It's like a future prison, right? Steals the ship, gets out into space, like gets winged. Loses control of the ship. Right. Goes, like, basically has to wait until he's, like, gets put into stasis. Or, like, goes cabin fevery on the spaceship. Mm. What the fuck is this movie called? Um, comes back to Earth. Has, like, been, like, semi-frozen. Or, like, time has tra- travelled differently for him because he's in this ship. Drawing nude, like, crude naked women on the walls and going mad. And he gets back to Earth and humanity has been enslaved by an alien race. And he comes back and it turns out that he's been prophesized and whatever. And I was sold it on the, it's like a pinnacle of homemade, like, local cinema right. from America. And it's got all this amazing stop motion that he did himself and all this kind of stuff. Oh, it's I love that Van Bebber was into stop motion got, when he first started out. And yeah. I loved all that stuff. Anyway, carry on. We all were. It's because it's the onanistic filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it on your own in a dark room. <laughs> and at the end of it, you've got a film. Yes. But yeah, so this, but there's like nine seconds of stop motion in this, in this movie. And it's not good. It's not good. Um, but I still stuck with it. I still watched the whole fucking thing. Because it's, you know, because I do want to give these things a go. I like the idea of discovering something amazing. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Small spoiler alert. Not for, for, not for the film, for the podcast. <laughs> one of my recommendations is a uh, one of these, like, homemade films. Oh, nice. From years ago, which, I'm, which I think is actually, I was like, can I recommend this? I do a lot of recommending stuff that people just can't fucking see. And I feel like it's a little bit of a dick move and I try not to do it unless it's something really special. Yeah. And I look this film up and it's actually, it's, you can get it now. It's oh, available. perfect. Um, and it's, the, the filmmakers have gone on to do something else that's been quite well received. So it's, it's an interesting example. Well, look, I'm quickly going to describe the Battle of the Planets film that I thought you were talking about, which I'm is... I'm going to look it up while you talk. Yeah, I, I think it, it's called something like that. Um, but basically, it's a post-Star Wars Japanese movie where the spaceships look like actual ships. So oh, boats, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the one. They did a live-action one in the, like early thousands but it was an anime before that no no this is this is something different um, okay yeah yeah no uh, it, it's where all those space um, ship movies exactly like the the costume design on this movie is fucking incredible like the villain has this these cool like horns on his um, spacesuit. Um but anyway the plot is something to do with these mystical acorns that they have to find that these kind of like Jedi powers but they're acorns that are scattered around space it's fucking weird but um welcome to the podcast where we describe films without knowing what the title is <laughs> that's all oh, we should do a spin-off yeah. this is, and, oh my uh, god sign up yes. to our patreon yes Sam and I <laughs> annoy try, you try to remember a film <laughs> oh man there's something in that well should we should we get on to recommendations let's let's hear about this uh, this film yeah, okay, so my first film uh, that I'm going to recommend is from 1994. Uh, I first came across it because when I was a teenager just starting to get interested in or like starting to find out about effects and, and decide that I was really excited about effects, my friend's girlfriend's mum... <laughs> started dating a guy who was a special effects artist and I okay. sort of heard about this and I got really excited about it and I and I demanded to be introduced to him and he'd done like miniature work on 
uh, like Event Horizon and he'd done pyrotechnics on Lockstock and, you know, stuff like that. But the one film he wanted to talk about was this film, which him and some, some friends had made, and it was called Mainline Run. And I remember being excited about it because they told me it had been refused a certificate by the BBFC. So I was like, well, I am all in. Mm. Mainline Run is, as you might expect, a drug thriller. Um, it predates uh, Lockstock by a little bit, so it's sort of early Brit gangster stuff. Um, it's, like, the thing is, I'm recommending it. I haven't seen it for fucking years. Like, it might... Like, I'm it re- might be like Deadbeat, well, where that's you, it. you know, it. Ex- yeah. Exactly. But I remember it being quite cheap, but quite realistic about its, like what it could achieve. But it being really, really fucking nihilistic. Great. Like, really dark, really bleak. My, my first recommendation is very It was the bleak. first film I saw where a body, after someone was killed, a body wouldn't stop spasming, even though it was dead. Wow, yeah, okay. Like, kind of like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah, that moment. Yeah, I mean, is... yeah but it was, it, obviously, this is well after Texas, but I yeah, hadn't yeah. seen, I don't think I'd seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I saw this. Right, right. But what I did see was a guy getting hammered in the face in a doorway and then falling down and his foot still flailing and they try to so very the like Texas James his foot then. gets caught wow. in the door and then they have to drag him inside and he's like tapping on the sideboard oh and, wow yeah it's, anyway the point is it was directed by the Ford brothers who did The Dead and The Dead 2 India which played at Fright Fest a few years yes, ago yeah, yeah. so they've gone on to some some like bigger things still quite small stuff yeah, but, yeah. but they're making their way and I think that that's one of the things that's, that's nice about like the homemade cinema mm. is often it's a little window into the past of people who then do go on and have a career yeah, and obviously yeah. I, I prefer Charlie's family rather than Manson family the first edit of yeah. Manson family yeah. um, I prefer that to Debbie at Dawn but uh, Bev has not really gone on to do much else you know whereas you look at people like Raimi or Jackson who are yeah. kind of like the golden gods of the homemade film world and they've done these movies like with their mates and fucking about and then they've they've created something that's gone down in in history and then they've also gone on to do these huge huge projects yeah i mean uh, i don't want to offend any of these good lovely people and you know i have met sam raimi in real life and he is a, a, a absolute sweetheart however i do wonder if part of why i uh, place heroic status onto van beber is because there isn't a kind of cynical, not that I'm really calling these people cynical, but no, there, I, there, there isn't a careerist, let's say, bone in his body. He is just like this psychotronic dude. What I'm saying is those guys, you know, Ramey and Jackson, and it's totally fine that they did this, but they made those early movies as a, okay, if I make a horror film, I can make it on a low budget, I can make it cool, and, you know, it's a springboard to I, other stuff. I 100% agree with that about uh, Raimi. I don't... Is that definitely the case with Jackson? You think that's what Jackson was doing? I mean, he did. He stayed in that arena for a long time and, and past him really needing to. And there are horror things, horror tropes that turn up in his non-horror stuff as well. I'm not... I'm, uh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to make this clear. I am definitely not saying that either of them hate horror and, and used it in in that way i just think they both looked at all the options and they're like okay this is the best way to start the career 
Um, and, you know, obviously, Raimi's gone back to horror as well, you know, um, well, drag, drag Me to Hell and all that kind yeah, of stuff. But let's be honest, that's money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. Uh, opinions mentioned are not necessarily the views of Arrow. All, yes. <laughs> all statements made are blah, blah, blah. Please sue Dan, even for the things that Sam says. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Don't sue me for what Sam Raimi says. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shall I do my recommendation? Yeah, um, yeah, go on. So, this is one that I wondered would be a, a clash with Dan. Obviously, we never discussed these beforehand, so um, this is a surprise to him, as well as to you, dear Arrowhead, but I am recommending Combat Shock from hey. 1984. I considered it. It didn't make the long list. Okay, good, good. Um, this is another grimy and gruesome drama uh, that explores urban decay in an impactful way um, with all sorts of criminals coming into the life of our Vietnam vet lead, um, which builds to one of the darkest finales in cinema history. Now, it's not quite as DIY and guerrilla as Deadbeat at Dawn, but then what is? So, yeah, released by Troma, but not a Troma film. If you yeah. go into it thinking it's, you know, one of those kind of silly, fun, gonzo, cheap fests, um, it's an entirely different beast. Um, but it does show that Troma have taste because... Yeah, it is. It is a magnificently dark film. And if you haven't seen it or heard of it, do not read anything. Trust my words. <laughs> because there is a big spoiler in there. Yeah. Just, just fucking watch it and then have a little cry afterwards. Um, <laughs> yeah, combat shock. So, Dan, what's your second recommendation? So, uh, I mentioned sort of a long list uh, I think we, both Sam and I have some backups normally because of the refusal to discuss this ahead of time yeah. it's, a, it's a plan it's part of the, part of the format yeah exactly um, so obviously I dismissed recommending Charlie's Family because it's too obvious but it is definitely something people should check out um, I think Head Press did a really good book about it as well which oh, is cool. worth tracking, tracking down I didn't know that I also dismissed El Mariachi because it's another one of those lovely interesting homemade yeah yeah um, and another one that's like a film school when you watch it oh, definitely. Uh, especially with the extras that are available for yeah, it yeah. but again I feel it's a bit of a shallow cut is that a phrase so I'm just going to go for one of my favourite of the super grimy homemades and it's Necromantic oh nice one uh, so those of you who don't know uh, it is on Arrow it's a really really lovely set I mean we uh, might do it one gorgeous. day I mean I think we should yeah, I really yeah. think we should um, I'd love to do I mean maybe we'll do a double bill we'll do Necromantic and Shram yeah I love Shram do you know what? Genuinely, I was talking to Nora, the, the QC monster yeah, arrow, yeah, yeah. Um, telling her, oh, I've got a few to choose. It's my turn to choose. I've got a few to choose between. Was she and pushing for Necromantic? No, no, no. Um, I, I basically said Deadbeat, Shram, and Honeymoon Killers were my three options that I wanted to do. I've never seen Honeymoon Killers. Oh, well, that will be one in the future then. But um, she was like, Deadbeat and Shram, these films need to be celebrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... If you don't choose Shram, I, I will. I mean, Shram's incredible, and we should definitely do it. The reason I went for Necromantic over Shram, despite preferring Shram, yeah. is that Necromantic is the one where Bookerite was just finding his way. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, Let, let's just ju let's just say to our, our, our dear, precious, yeah. wonderful Arrowheads, please buy Shram. Yeah. It is one that you won't have watched, probably. It's one that's probably not in your collection, the majority of you listening to this. And Dan and I are definitely going to do it in the future, and we would love to not spoil it for you too much. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so let's so do a little shram. We'll, uh, well, we'll try and do uh, more of a like a lead up 
We'll yeah. try and let people know. Like the week, bef- the yeah, week yeah. between podcasts, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll try and like, tweet out but what we're going to do. if this episode leads one. to an uptake in sales of SRAM, they'll let us do this podcast forever. <laughs> <laughs> you're, it almost sounds like you're saying SRAM isn't selling well. I can't imagine SRAM isn't... SRAM's great. I mean, it is great, but... People don't know it's great, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, my, sorry, interrupted. Uh, my, my notes on Necromantic, and I was quite tired when I wrote these notes, say a year before Jim Van Beber... Jorg made his own homebrew exploitation, but with 100% more corpse fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there we go. That sells itself. (laughs) All right. Um, Just uh, a a little... uh, There's there's also a great book on Jorg Bookwright's early films. Uh, I think it's called Murder, Death, Art. Oh, nice. Um, And uh, there's a fantastic anecdote about the second necromantic film uh, which I think is in the book, but it might be one of the documentaries. Um, and the German censor board were so like upset at the idea of there being another necromantic <laughs> that they raided uh, Bookerite's apartment to take to confiscate the negatives. Whoa. But he'd hidden it, yeah. and it turned out he'd rented a whole other apartment in a false name just so he could hide the negatives in the floor. Holy. <laughs> Now, fuck. I don't know how true any of that is, but it's a fucking great Print story. the legend. <laughs> yeah. That is also heroic. These things that, that these people do for your entertainment. Um, yeah, wonderful. Right, well, uh, my next recommendation, which I'm pretty sure Dan hasn't got. In fact, I know he hasn't because you've just done both of yours. Um, Lucifer Rising from 1972 uh, by Kenneth Anger. Now, this is a slightly weird recommendation, but... Some of Deadbeat at Dawn's lighting choices, the occult edge, which we haven't really talked about, um, and its kind of kaleidoscopic, chaotic energy uh, reminds me of Lucifer Rising by Kenneth Anger. And obviously, Anger was an artist who wrote, directed, and appeared in his movies. Um, It's a short film, uh, and it's on YouTube, so it'd make quite an easy double bill. Uh, I'd go for Deadbeat first, then Lucifer, uh, late at night, and yeah, uh, it's only 27 minutes long, so we're not going to say anything more than that. Just experience it. And um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of Kenneth Anger in Beba. Yeah, like, I think so. I really do. There's a lot of parallels do. between them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so yeah, that is it for recommendations based on the film. Now for uh, recommendations based on what we've seen over the past couple of weeks. Dan, what have you seen? Uh, those of you who follow me on Letterboxd or work in my workshop will have heard <laughs> me ranting about this <laughs> recently. Um, uh, it's a first watch for me. It's from 1948. It's a comedy noir <laughs> um, directed by John Farrow. Um, it's The Big Clock. It's actually out on uh, Arrow Academy. Ooh. And it's, yeah, it's it's a fucking treat. I've got that in my stack, actually. Have you? Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, my God. Right to the top. Right, right to the top of your stack. So uh, it's Ray Maland, who in his later Twilight years was in Yellow Pajama Girl Case, but here is on absolute peak performance. Um, and uh, an older Charles Lawton, who is fucking great in it as well. Um, Milan plays a investigative journalist for like a sort of a, a crime rag but a huge huge one like it's a huge financial empire mm. this this publishing house and he's the guy that goes out and solves cases the police can't solve and they break like they bury cases in the magazine um and his boss uh I, i'm gonna be a little oblique and i'll talk about details from beyond the very beginning of the film but abstractly because yeah anyway 
without spoiling it too much, because it is a noir, so it's twisty and turny. And it is one of the, it's a very complicated one, but not so complicated it's un, unfollowable. Mm. But um, it's basically about a guy who is told to investigate, like to find out who someone is, and he finds out that he is maybe investigating himself. Oh, and it's fucking great. That's great premise. Um, yeah, it's really good. One of the one of the things that I loved about it so much, aside from the fantastic acting, directing, and writing, was that it's um, it's set in largely, not entirely, it's set largely in this huge building that belongs to the publishing company, and the cinematography. Do you remember when Sam, you and I watched um, the Bat Whispers? Yes, and they had all that those beautiful miniature externals, yeah, yeah. and then they'd like wipe into a, a live action interior. Yeah, yeah. So they do a similar thing in this. Oh, cool! But what they they have loads of rear projection like windows built into the set, mm. uh, and the most one of the most like ostentatious ones is quite early on. There's this incredible scene where um, uh, they're in a lift, and really it's showing you the layout of the building. That's the like the the sort of secret thing it's doing. On the surface, it's just like cool dialogue and introducing some characters. The, it's at the back of the lift and it's facing out into the lobby. Um, people like milling out, going in, coming out. Uh, the doors close, the conversation continues. The doors open, we're up on the first floor. Mm. Uh, people come in, people go out. The doors close, open, second floor and so on. But it's a static lift and they've just got different rear projection reels running outside the door for every floor. So they create this massive multi-story building mm. with quite a simple special effect. But it took about three or four floors before I was like, there's no way this is real. Oh, it's, it's rear projection. It's just really good rear That's projection. That's so good. Yeah, but all the way through, it's got loads of those really lovely little like moments uh, of technical directing that I love. Uh, fantastic. And uh, extra, just to underline that point, if you haven't seen the Bat Whispers... Oh, fuck yeah, it's great. And you, especially if you're a Batman fan... <laughs> yeah. Gotham, Batman, so much of that iconography, um, the film uh, preceded the, the Batman comics and is a direct influence on them. So um, if, if you love Batman, but, you know, even if you just love films, then watch The Bat Whispers. Yeah, Bat Whispers is amazing. Um, now, my first recommendation from the past couple of weeks is a film that I saw at the BFI last weekend. I loved it. It's bait. So it's uh, been popping up quite a lot recently. It's gotten a lot of really good reviews. Like I think it got five in The Observer and four in The Guardian. And um, yeah, lots of people love it. And um, yeah, as can sometimes be the case, I, I was a tiny bit cynical, you know, with those kinds of effusive reviews. Um, yeah, there are certain reviews that I never agree with. Anyway, why am I ruining my career by um, admitting <laughs> all of this on the podcast? Let me just talk about this film, which, yeah, is is actually a masterpiece. Um, it's set in uh, Cornish town. It, it follows a, a fisherman who is struggling. Um, he, he can't afford a boat. So he's kind of set up a, a way to catch fish while he kind of saves up for a boat. And it's kind of a film that's about gentrification and class. Um, there's a little bit of Brexit in there too. Um, and I guess the main thing I kind of love about this film is that the, the way it was shot matches the content. And I'm always a fan of that connection. So um, it's shot on 16 mil. Um, all the dialogue was dubbed over after the fact. It's all ADR, um, which is a monumental risk. But 
in this instance, it really adds something. It creates a very unique atmosphere. It feels like, you know, a, a film out of time, m much in the same way that the lead character is out of time. Um, and yeah, you know, there's loads to love. The cast are fantastic and kind of look amazing uh, on this 16 mil film. And yeah, it almost makes me not want to see any of them in any modern films, um, just because it just feels like they're out of time too. Um, so yeah, scratchy 16 millimeter, beautiful editing choices. Um, you know, there's one match cut that really stands out, but there's a lot of interesting montage stuff that kind of throws back to silent cinema. Um, yeah, no, I absolutely love this film. It's going to be very high up in my top 10 of the year. So, uh, bait, if you like all that sort of thing, go and see it. Nice. There we go. It, hopefully it'll still be out. <laughs> Don't know. Uh, I, um, is it lazy? It's just important. It's important. My next recommendation is a film I saw at Fryfest. Uh, there were a lot of great films at Fryfest this year. Obviously we did our, um, our preview episode and then our live episode, uh, during which time we discussed a number of the movies. Thank uh, you to everyone who came oh on to the God, live episode, thank you so much. Way. It was really, really good. I had a lovely time doing it. Yeah. I saw some amazing films. I think it was a particularly strong lineup this year. Oh, it was it's amazing. The best, best year for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the, the film I want to mention, uh, again, because it was one of the th ones I hadn't seen but said I was looking forward to, um, is Happy Face, Alexandra Franchi's Happy Face. I cannot stress enough how much everybody needs to see this film. Uh, it played in the small screen at the Prince Charles, so you know, like what, like 150 people, same same screen we did the the live podcast in, and it fucking pulled my heart out of my chest. It was like I'm pretty sure everyone in the cinema was in tears by the end of it. It was absolutely fucking brutal. Mm. Um, it's so good. Um, and looking on the IMDb Pro and in the press, like in the the uh, the trade press. It, I don't know if it's been picked up. Maybe have a page for it, but right. it's not playing. And maybe that maybe they've signed a thing. So hopefully it's it's going to find an audience. I really really hope someone picks it up. But if you hear of it playing at a festival, um, or if it comes to VOD, track it down. Mm. Um, I cannot impress upon you enough how much I love that film. Um, it absolutely fucking broke me. There's a moment in the like the beginning of the third act where one of the characters makes a phone call, mm -hmm. and from that moment on, I was at the edge of tears for the rest of the movie. Oh wow! And when it finally comes, it wasn't like there was no like it was just like taps were on in my eyes. Wow. There wasn't any like he and that's very and, rare for and you. Everyone around me was the same. Like if you looked at the cinema, mm -hmm. like looked at the room. Like everywhere you looked, there was just like a sly, like hand going up to the Shit, face to man. dry a cheek. It was, it's fucking brutal. Normally but it's, a, it's amazing. And, but the, the other thing is, it's also very funny. Yeah. And, and just like very sweet as well. So yeah, it's really fucking good. Normally I'm the emotional one. I've been developing a theory for a very long time that you might actually be a robot. So, um, I've had an upgrade and now I can cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, wonderful. I will definitely seek that out as soon as possible and I hope I can see it on a big screen. I missed that screening, but um, yeah, yeah, that sounds truly incredible. So from the sublime to the ridiculous, my next recommendation is I almost wish, like this feels like it's going to be a really good episode. I feel it in my heart. And so I almost don't want to bring the tone down by recommending <laughs> this. Like there's a chance that I'm going to watch um, in between now and the release of this podcast, 
I think um, I'm going to be spending time with Nora and I think I'm going to show her Fassbinder's Martha and mm-hmm. Death on a Rainy Sunday, which are two films that she... I found two films that she hasn't seen. It's always so, fun when you have to struggle to find something people exactly. haven't seen. Exactly. Like, obviously, she watches everything. Deep Everything. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Martha and Death on a Rainy Sunday... But the film I'm actually recommending is uh, uh, an 88 films release uh, of Popcorn from 1991. Now, I revisited this pre-Scream postmodern slasher um, for the first time in a long time. And it was just, it was a lovely disc, um, you know, great print. Who's put it up? Uh, 88 films. Um, so, yeah, sorry, Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it... it it's got a good documentary on it as well, you know, decent extras, um, not quite Debbie at Dawn levels. But one of the things that really kind of stuck out to me was, I don't know if you remember this, Dan, but there's a fake movie in it and it's called Possessor. Oh, I fucking completely forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, and so obviously, you know, Dan's worked on the Brandon Cronenberg film of the same name and it kind of puts it in a weird different light. Um, well, puts popcorn in a weird different light kind of imagining that that's the the, the cursed film at the heart uh, of popcorn but um but yeah it's uh it involves this kind of fake movie um and an all-night horathon with other fake movies uh and it's a really fun tribute to william, william castle stuff, yeah crossed with killer party style structure and i love killer party um so yeah lovely blu-ray not the best film in the world, but fun. And, you know, if you dig all that kind of stuff, like if you're a William Castle fan and you haven't seen Popcorn from 1991, I recommend it. 91? Yeah. Huh. I thought you said a different date at the beginning. And oh, I was surprised I? by it. But it doesn't fucking matter, does it? Well, um, I really like it. I, I, It was one I, for some reason, I couldn't find it when it was around. Mm. Maybe it was, maybe it was... I thought it was earlier than 91. Anyway, the point is, uh, it felt like elusive. And so right. I, I think I've still got a big box VHS of it. It's one of the few VHSs I've still got. Yeah. But I'll, well, I'll it's a lovely that. cover, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a great cover. Yeah. It's a really good cover. Um, yeah, it's a good fun film. Like that. Shall we go into extra features? Extra features. Extra features. Um, so for extra features this week, I would like to talk a little bit about the London Film Festival because oh, tickets yeah. are now on sale. Uh, a lot of stuff will have sold out, obviously, but there are loads of films I'm excited about. And if you've got tickets for these films, then uh, then you will be excited too. And who knows, there might be some left still. Um, it is always best to jump on the computer the minute these tickets go on sale because LFF just sells out so quickly. But I'm not going to go into loads of detail. I'm just going to reel off all the ones that I'm most excited about. So... Number one on my list, the one I cannot fucking wait to see, is Colour Out to Space, which obviously Dan worked on, um, and we've spoken about in the podcast before, and there may even be uh, a, a, an extra feature related From to From the past, yeah, yes. if you dig back through, we were trying to work out which episode it was on, <laughs> I can't work it out, <laughs> but uh, around, like... Oh, fuck. I don't know, like February? No, it wouldn't have been straight away. I wouldn't have done it. Did I use it straight away? I don't even remember. Anyway, the point is I interviewed Richard on set yeah. at four in the morning in the rain. Richard Stanley. Yeah, yeah uh, like ten minutes after we wrapped on... It's a, f- it's, yeah, it's a really nice... It's brilliant. I think you did let it run surprisingly early, actually. <laughs> um, well, maybe, we'll, maybe I'll, I'll 
like just put it up yeah, on just, its own. Just tweet it when this when yeah. this goes out. Um so yeah, there's that. Um there's Synchronic um from the Endless Guys, and it's them sort of leveling up with uh quite an impressive cast. Um it's got Anthony Mackey, Jamie Dornan. Anyway, I said that I wasn't gonna go into detail. So I'm just gonna reel through these. Um the LGJ tapes, uh documentary about the lead singer of the mentors, who, if you know anything about him, very insane life very strange end of his life and um yes he was kind of embroiled in the whole Kurt and Courtney thing I'm going into detail again aren't I Dan's looking at me right the lodge which looks like this year's hereditary uh wounds from the director of under the shadows system crasher um which created a lot of buzz um at Cannes and uh is being released by our good friends at 606 distribution um very excited to see that the lighthouse which yeah. we know all about um to keshe Mike's first love and the trailer went up recently uh not as you listen to this but in my actual life it went up this week and uh yeah it just looks like another winner i love him so much i'm avoiding so. the trailer because i don't want to you should you should avoid it yeah. i love trailers i don't mind spoilers i quite enjoy spoilers in fact but anyway that's not an invitation to spoil me about stuff on, on Twitter, by the way, dear sweet, precious Arad. I know you'd never do that to me, but um, try it and I'll block you. Anyway. <laughs> but anyway, Dan, uh, you have something for extra features. Yeah, we've had a lovely email from Adam Kamak, uh, a.k.a. Max Cooldown uh, on Twitter. Uh, he said uh, he, he's a fan of the podcast. Uh, he's been listening since the beginning and Arad has become one of his favourite labels uh, on the market for many reasons and that our enthusiasm has helped, which is always lovely to hear. He says his question is that back on the Hellraiser podcast, Sam uh, pleaded with Arrow to release Nightbreed and obviously that is happening, which is very exciting. Um, he says, are there any other movies you would love to see get the arrow treatment, even if it's currently unavailable elsewhere or not? Um, and please keep up the great work. So that's very sweet. Sam, what other, what, what's the top of your list for arrow to please, please, please do? Well, Tim Coleman asked me in a weird coincidence, mm. uh, DM'd me on Twitter to ask pretty much exactly the same question at nice. almost exactly the same time. So there's something in the arrowhead zeitgeist. Um, Tim named In the Mouth of Madness uh, and I said yeah but that's exactly what I would say so I'm just going to steal that from Tim because uh, I love that film so fucking much and there still isn't a decent Blu-ray Event Horizon, I you know just yeah that'd be great tip. Um, I would love see I'm 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 off to the races now another <laughs> Sam Neill film Possession all the Sam Neill films. There's, there is a good Blu-ray. There yeah, is a good Blu-ray. Like, it's what? not an Arrow Blu-ray, though, it's is it? It's not an Arrow Blu-ray, but what could Arrow bring? Art. <laughs> <laughs> I, like the, have you seen that fucking case? I just picked up a new one of theirs as well, and oh, it's, oh nice. my God, another Zalowski, and they're working on the the Polish trilogy as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my fucking God. Uh, the stuff that they only do, it's a label that seems to, uh, too fun. Uh, too fun? Yeah. yeah. They only do Zelowski <laughs> pictures, and it's amazing. But yeah, I mean, fuck. I'd, I'd love to see what Aaron managed to dig out, and I'd love more documentaries, and I'd love more insight. And, uh, you know, but, yeah, exactly. but with Andrzej Zelowski, and we, we could no do an audio commentary, us. Dan. <laughs> They've yeah, never I mean, let us do another one since I listed a hundred and however many films on the Villainess commentary, <laughs> but <laughs> could happen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, fuck. There's, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm prepared for this, and I don't know what I want Arrow to do. Loads of fucking you, stuff. You literally read the email out, Dan. Yeah, so I know I did. I'm disappointed. You're I know, not and I read it when it first came in. And <laughs> I, I had a bunch of great ideas, and now, uh, now I don't know. So, I don't know. There must be. Some, I mean, of all the people, there's fucking loads. There's loads of stuff, but what is any of it? I don't know. They've fucking done it. They've done so many great films. They I have. don't know. I don't know. I'll get it. I'll just shout films occasionally for the rest of the recording. Well, we're almost done. We are going to do our social media That's now. Shit to me. No, we've got more emails. Oh, <laughs> more questions that you don't know the answer to. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, some of them are just nice. So, just wanted to say thank you to someone who only signs their name YYYY the the letters. Um, they basically just said uh, they like the podcast and could we do a Robert Altman film, please? Unfortunately, they will not let us touch Arrow Academy. We yeah. have begged. We have begged. There are so many Arrow Academy films that I'd love to do. I would love to do La Long Goodbye, for example. Um, I mean, I'd also love to do Nashville, but that's an Eureka title, not an Arrow title. So I think that would be probably pushing it, but uh, one of my favourite films of all time. Dan, what Robert Altman film <laughs> would you like to do? Listen. Images? We, we've got that. We can, we can oh, do images. Yeah. Well, is images on... Regular Arrow? I'm pretty sure it's on regular Arrow, yeah, yeah. See, I don't know which Arrow it's on because I've only got to check this because I haven't got a proper, proper disc. Pretty sure it's Arrow um, Well, then let's do that. All right. There we go. Cool. Next time? Yeah, is that your well, pick for next yeah, time? Yeah, fuck it. Let's do images for right. next time. perfect. There, we there go. you go. Your wish is granted. Boom. That's what we're here for. <laughs> um, and please write to us at Arrow Video Podcast. Oh, Arrow I can actually do it because I've got it in front oh, of me because I've been reading emails. <laughs> Um, please write to us at arrowvideopodcast at arrowfilms.co.uk that's exactly what I was going to say we fucking nailed this right social so media so good at podcasting social media Dan how can people follow you at 13fingerfx uh, on twitter or instagram um, or reddit or imager or any you know no one else uses that it's all me uh, oh god no it might not be I don't know. <laughs> there might be other new social media platforms I don't know about yeah TikTok follow Dan on TikTok follow me on TikTok <laughs> uh, apparently that's a thing yes it is <laughs> um, yeah uh, it's intermittent shots of films off my projector screen me raving about stuff pictures of my dog and occasionally me moaning about Brexit wonderful uh Please just follow me on uh, Instagram, Sam Ashes23. This literally never works. I think I've got all the Instagram followers I'm going to get. But just in case, do follow me on there. I would appreciate it. And look, I get drunk quite a lot. And I'm compelled <laughs> to put up things that I regret. So um, it's worth it for that. You know, I might be famous in the future and you can blackmail me. So, um, we've already recommended that you, I've, I have already recommended that people screen grab everything you post. There we go. Exactly. To hold against you in the future. I love don't, it. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Right. Well, um, I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening. And I don't know if I can promise we'll be more professional next time because this might be the best episode we've ever done. It's but always the best. We're just fucking... We're, we're a ladder of success. We are a ladder of success. But I'm going to say it anyway because I love catchphrases. Uh, thanks so much for listening. And we promise to be more professional... Next time. Next time. <laughs> Thank you, bye. Good night. <laughs>